Hello, everybody, and welcome to Don't Talk About It. Today, we are covering a twin's perspective. This is a lesson that I, or an epiphany more so, that I learned at age 30. And um, since then, it's grown into discovering that more than just twins do this. And um, it has to do with alternative perspectives, but assuming similarities when, you know, sometimes they might not be there. So even an identical twin raised in the same home with pretty similar genes um, can have a completely different takeaway from a situation and be thinking something else. So let's start today with a little bit of childhood. Uh, My brother and I have the twin telepathy that everybody's talked about or has heard of where, you know, twins do that weird thing where they like finish each other's sentences and like end up wearing the same clothes on, you know, even though they live in different states. And I'm just here to verify that that is all 100% true. I remember at age 12, my brother and I were so like upset at each other because we'd go shopping for school clothes, like back to school. And there would be a remember Quicksilver and like Volcom. Those were like the two most popular brands in high school. And um, there was a Volcom shirt that I wanted and my brother wanted it too. And then we got into this argument about who got the shirt. Um, well, at age you know, 14, we got smarter and we realized that we actually just shop for what we want together. We share our clothes and then we end up with twice the wardrobe. So, um, but at the time we, we weren't so intelligent and, uh, you know, um, so we were arguing over this shirt and my mom said, that's it. You guys are doing separate shopping trips. And uh, later that week, she put my brother with my dad and took my, um, myself with her and we went shopping and uh, came back later that day. My brother and I had not seen each other. Um, we went shopping at different times and literally I would say 80% of the bag was identical clothing. And that's when my brother and I, you know, started talking that, um, we, we, need to, we need to do this a little different, but I'm getting off topic. We're not here today to talk about clothes buying. Um, so, but there is this like identical sense where you think very similar and, um, you know, growing up, we were always compared to each other. We were always um, told that we were the same. Oh, you guys are the same. You're identical. Oh, you guys are so similar. So I feel like it really, you know, bred me to think that like whatever feeling or emotion or thought that I had, my brother was having it too. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's true that we we do have identical thoughts. Like even at age 35, I'll be sitting here in the, on my couch and all of a sudden, I don't know, it's like that twin telepathy. I'll get up and I'll start walking to the kitchen. My wife will look at me and go, where are you going? And I'll say, oh, uh, my brother's going to call. And sure as enough, the phone rings. So, you know, there are those those weird moments that happen all too often. Um, you, but but it's those, those things that um, we just automatically assume that we have, like, these similar thoughts. So even though sometimes in twins it's true, it's not the same. And especially not the same in relationships. 
Um, and so what, what I mean by this is I'll take you back to an example that happened when I was age eight and my brother and I actually spoke about it at age 30. And that's when I realized that I had done this kind of assumptions that whatever I was thinking and talking about, the other person automatically had all the information I had in my head. And and a lot of that comes from, for me, is the fact that my brother and I would do this, is I would start, I would just, you know, wake up in the morning and say, hey, did you remember to do that thing? I wouldn't even specify there would be 50 things on the list, you know, and he'd be like, yeah, I went and, you know, filled the water tank. And we automatically knew what we were talking about. However, when I got... Um, started dating and especially got married, I continued this projection with uh, my wife and with my peers as well. And it was just not a good lesson. So alternative perspectives. Here we go. Um, At age eight, um, my brother and I went um, for a trip just into town. And my dad has a 72 Ranchero it's got a 351 Boss Cleveland in it. It's all souped up. It's tricked out. It's new paint job, you know, black cherry. And I mean, just done up to no end. This is my father's pride and joy. Um, and by that, I would, you know, say that my dad has a definitely different personality. He tends to put most of his value into materialistic objects as a direct representation of himself. And um, so I feel like when, you know, something happens to an object that he associates himself with, he takes it as a personal attack. And that is the foundation of our story. So my brother and I are going into town and we're both riding with my dad in, in his ranchero. It's a two-door. It's got like this bucket seat. Um, I'm in the middle. My brother's, you know, by the window. And we're just going in to run some errands. And, um, you know, my brother and I always loved riding in my dad's car because, you know, he would show off as he would drive and, you know, squeal the tires and, you know, just really get attention wherever he was. Um, and we're, you know, we were coming back from town and, uh, my dad started to turn from a side road onto a main, a main urban highway. And it goes into a 55 and, you know, I really, we always used to love this turn because we'd stop at the stop sign, we'd take a right, and my dad would just punch it. And it was like, boom, you know, you just take off and throw back in your seat and it just felt so good. And, um, but, you know, it was, it was dangerous. You know, you've got eight-year-old kids in the car and, you know, you're probably doing 80, 90 miles an hour in a 45, you know, it's, it's, um, not, you know, the best parenting 101, but, you know, my brother and I loved it and we had a great time and we're still alive. Um, so, you know, so we get up to this road and my dad stops and he starts to pull out and he punches it like he normally does. And, I didn't see it, but my brother and I are sitting at the kitchen table talking about this at age 30. So moving forward 22 years. And we were talking about like personal attacks and how, you know, 
um, people take things as a personal attack. And we were talking about how at work, like when an idea is turned down, you know, instead of seeing that, you know, the idea doesn't fit in with the program and that, you know, it, it deserves maybe a different platform or spotlight to really represent it, or maybe it's just not an appropriate fit. Um, we take it as a personal, my brother and I, you know, watched my dad model this and we took it as a personal attack. So if somebody said no, it was like, they instantly thought my idea was stupid. They automatically don't like me. Um, what is their problem with me? You know, I was the one who suggested this. If, you know, such and such suggested this, then it would have been accepted. And, um, you know, that kind of, I would say, explains a little bit of the basis for, um, you know, attaching our things to materialistic objects and, you know, taking alternative, um, I would say, opinions or things that happen to those material materialistic objects as a personal attack on ourselves. Um, but we also do this elsewhere, not just with materialistic ob objects. So that's just the topic of today. And so... So my dad pulls out onto this road and he punches it, you know, being bordering on the lines of unsafe, you know, and, uh, you know, to more unsafe. And this, this uh, tractor pulls out with a, you know, a bale of hay and my dad has to like lock up the brakes, so to say. And I didn't see this happen because at the time, you know, I, when I, when we get thrown back in our, in our seats from the acceleration, I like to close my eyes because I always felt like I was like in a rocket ship and I was taking off and, you know, it was like NASA and I was going into space and this was like the G-forces and, you know, so I always had my eyes closed and my brother, you know, finding all this out at age 30, you know, my brother was terrified of that happening and I enjoyed it so much that he always kept his eyes like wide open on the road. And so, um... So my dad had locked up the brakes for this tractor and my brother got to see everything that was happening and I did not because, you know, I was flying into space, man. I mean, I, <laughs> I was having a good time. I didn't care where we were going. I knew where I was headed in my mind. And, um, you know, so my dad locks up his brakes and he goes, he gets flying out of the car and he's running after this tractor, um, yelling and like he's got his my brother sharing this I didn't see any of this but my brother sharing that he has his fist up and he's just screaming profanity at this guy with the tractor and the guy with the tractor is like not having any of it he's not stopping the tractor he's still going you know my dad is just getting more and more irate and more irate and um and, you know, finally he stops running and he turns around and, you know, comes back to the car and, and then he gets, you know, returns to the car. He's like, I can't believe that. That's the only thing he said. And then we drove home and my brother and I never talked about it. And, and that is the conversation that we had 22 years later at age 30, we were talking about this situation and my brother said that he was so terrified of that situation because he thought that my dad 
was going to pull this guy out of the tractor and beat him up in the road, get arrested, and go to jail. And my brother would lose his father. And that was his whole world at age eight, is that my dad was doing something that would cause him to no longer be around. And which my perspective from that situation being there that I'm flying into space, going into NASA, you know, I thought dad locked up the, the, the brakes because there was a cow in the road or something. So, you know, for me, when the car stopped and I looked and my father wasn't there, I instantly crawled onto the floorboards because I was always scared of being alone even though it was different, you know, my brother was scared of being alone, but it was more focused around losing his father. I was scared of being alone, but it was more focused around being alone. Like I did not feel like strong enough as a person. I was always, you know, into scary movies as a kid, but then like, you know, never slept at night because you were sitting there clenching under the covers, like with your feet tucked in so that nobody could like grab your feet in the middle of the night and pull you out <laughs> because, you know, that, that was going to happen. Um, and, and so, you know, I was always scared of like ghosts and goblins and, you know, kind of things from scary movies. So I instantly crawled onto the floorboards and never saw any of this happen. And, and so my, my brother and I are sitting there talking about this and it was like, boom, I mean, mic drop. Oh my God, this is a totally different perspective. And it's like, if we think about an incident that occurs, like let's say a homicide, and I don't know why that's the first thing that came to my mind, don't ask, but if a police officer goes around to all the eyewitnesses, he's going to get a collective of stories, which is alternative perspectives, right? But even though this is common knowledge, we don't apply this situation to our relationships or um, the people we interact with or our work peers. Um, but the example I'm using is my wife. And one of the things that I would do this with my brother where, you know, we have that twin telepathy where I would start to say something, he would pick it up. Well, this is what I would do with my wife too. And then introducing those alternative perspectives, we're missing like 90% of the topic that we're trying to converse with our partner about. And we're automatically thinking that they know what I'm talking about even though I'm leaving out most of the details and most of us don't start with our bullet points. My wife says this thing often um, and has really cut back on saying it because I've cut back on doing it is when we first got together, she would say, say what you mean. And I would always get irate and say, I am saying what I like. I don't know what you mean by that. And it was a word choice thing. And it was because I was assuming in addition, I was assuming that she knew what I was talking about. And so, you know, for example, like dinner, instead of saying, hey, what do you want for dinner? Um, does salad sound good? 
that really just sets the, the, the tone for a general question with no specifics. Um, and so, you know, so Jenna, you know, would say, oh, you know, you really don't have any idea for dinner. You're just kind of throwing it out there. And then I would get mad and say, well, that's what I really wanted for dinner. But that was not the way I presented the topic or the question or the conversation. And so I started using my word choice more deliberately. And I started every sentence assuming that the person who I was speaking to was looking at a blank page. It's kind of like when we write instructions. If I write instructions for, let's say, a Lego set that I built, I know what the instructions mean because I am writing them because I built the system. So, of course, everything makes sense. And a lot of time, that is the attitude that we take without introducing that alternative perspective, that the person I am talking to has no idea what is going on in my mind, but I'm automatically assuming them because I'm bringing them into the conversation, I tend to bring them into my head. And then everything is expected projection. And that expected projection is what we tend to do. And then we get pissed when somebody else is not following us or understanding us. It's a personal, it falls back into that personal attack. And this is where, you know, I modeled or watched my dad model a personal attack on materialistic items. My trigger point tends to be a personal attack on my ideas. So like I will come up with 13 creative ideas for a topic. Every one of them has to be a great idea or I'm a failure or somebody doesn't like it or it's a personal attack. And that I understand is a blind spot for me and a weakness. And it's something that I'm, I, I work on regularly. Um, but we're getting off topic. So part of this has to do with the fact that I project that people should automatically know what I'm talking about. Going back to that twin telepathy and that alternative perspective. So now when I converse with my wife about something, it goes more like this. Instead of hey, you know, how about salad for tonight? That's, that's not what I mean. I'm not saying what I mean. What I really want is salad for the night and I want an Asian salad for the night. So I'm going to say, hey, love, I'm really in the mood for a mandarin orange, you know, or let's say a Asian stir fry salad. Um, how does that sound to you? Now I've set the tone that this is what I desire and I'm asking for your opinion on just this one topic. And I'm not assuming that you know I want this. I am telling you I want this. So, you know, word choice really comes into to the picture. Um, and not assuming that everyone has different perspectives in a conversation. Or going back to the dad topic um, of, you know, locking up the brakes and, you know, my brother and I talking at the dinner table. He, from that situation, had never thought that accelerating and doing things like that were fun. He always smiled because I smiled. And so he didn't want to show that he was not enjoying it. And... 
And so my perspective is that Richard was enjoying this and that dad was not a problem and that everything was fine. And this fact of fear and losing dad never came into the picture. Just like my brother never knew that the reason why I crawled onto the floorboards was because I was scared of being alone. You know, I never told my brother that ever. We didn't talk about that. And so his perspective was that I crawled onto the floorboards because he knew I used to like to ride the spaceship in dad's car. And then he thought that I crawled onto the floorboards because I had entered another planet, you know, um, and that that's where I had landed and, you know, I'm now resigning in my astronaut gear and make believe. So when we assume perspectives, when we don't say what we mean, and when we don't take time to clarify, you know, like ask for clarity. I mean, one thing that I tend to do is I take people's tone as direction at me. And sometimes people bring tone because they're talking about a topic that's passionate. So for example, my wife the other day was talking about something that was in the paper that was irritating her. And I said, why are you mad at me? And she said, I'm not. And I said, then why are you yelling? And she said, because it's an aggravating topic. So after we spoke, she was just looking for a stage to vent on and an audience to listen. It doesn't, if you go to a comedy routine and a person starts making jokes, you know, it doesn't mean that the jokes are directed at you. The jokes are directed at you to make you laugh, but the jokes are not about you. Um, you know, or even if they, you fall into that category, you know, the person up on the stage is not thinking, oh, well, you know, you know, Dean McGinnis showed up tonight. So, you know, I'm going to start picking on him purposely. Um, you know, and sometimes comedians grab people from the audience for jokes and things like that. But even at that point, it's more about them. It's about their show. It's about them wanting to engage the audience. It's not about you at that point. You know, and if that's something that bothers you, you know, go sit in the back or don't go to the comedy show. Um, but that's off topic. So this childhood realization that even identical twins can have alternative perspectives and being able to talk about those perspectives and not assume and use good word choice and not mean what we and mean what we say and not just say it, but actually mean it and clarify and ask questions and understand that a question is for clarity on the topic, not a personal attack on your statement. Because if it is, most people would say, Jenna, I don't agree with that, but I respect you for feeling that way. And if somebody doesn't, well, then maybe that's time to question the relationship even further which is a topic for another day. So wrapping this up on a little side note here, because as you know, I like to repeat myself. And at some point, there's nothing more to add to the conversation. So thank you for listening to A Twin's Perspective. Remember, talk about it. Don't talk about it. But do what's comfortable to you. And the more we talk about these things, sometimes it's a voice memo to yourself and then you're able to realize it later and then take that action to do so. Maybe it's talking about it to your, you know, your peers or your family, like clarifying things. Um, 
But until we're able to not assume perspectives and talk about things more, there's going to be a lot of confusion in play. So be vulnerable, be open. Thank you for your time and your ears. Have a wonderful rest of the day.